live. We're live. It's happening. Always. And forever. <sighs> I'm... Okay, you know what? I know what we're going to talk about. and <laughs> That's they, good. The, the, <laughs> the people don't just yet. But I was thinking about something. You know, I was watching a debate um, between Charlie Kirk and another man. He's a YouTube guy, Twitch guy, Vosh. Uh, it was moderated by Tim Pool, and I thought the moderation was really good. Uh, it was early August, and I don't know. It just kind of came up in my YouTube feed. It was it was a really well done debate, and then I had some conversations with people on Facebook or, or yeah. otherwise, and you know it, a lot of it was regarding um, COVID and stuff like that. And I was just like, you know, watching those two kind of debate, there was this understanding of like we have to find some common ground yeah. in order to have a legitimate debate. Like they both wanted to like quote unquote win. Yeah, it's called the like, Mad Libs technique. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about it today. Like, it's very difficult to have conversations regarding politics or whatever. And I think the reason is is because we we make an emotional response to something, and then we kind of hold on to that. We hold on yeah. to the emotions more than we do the facts. And I think that's that's something that kind of I, I was just thinking about. No, I think day. that's a very I think that's a very astute observation. I think that you're absolutely right. I think that uh, there's more of a need to to win or to be right than there is a need to f- get to the bottom of something. Yeah, and it's also like because our we're we're so heavily guided by our emotions. I think when you make an emotional connection to something, you're going to stick with that far longer than you actually should. And I'm sure there's probably some sort of study of the brain that would prove this. And I, I didn't research it. I honestly, it literally dawned on me when we were starting and you said, and we're live. And I was like, you know what? I want to talk about this for a second Yeah. before we get to, you know, some other things. I wanted to talk about this because it, it's kind of like a relationship, right? If you're in a, in a relationship with someone, there's a point where you know you, you want to stay or you want to go. And I feel like sometimes people know that they should go, but they don't because they've had this emotional connection. Right. They're, they're I think invested. it's partially like time Time is invested into it yeah, as well. Yeah, there's investment. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like how you feel about, you know, the COVID response or the economy or, you know, healthcare or whatever the case is. Any Any type of topic, it's very difficult for people to change their mind on things. And, and I think that's very interesting. And I think it all has to do with how, you know, driven we are by our emotions rather than our, our logic. Well, I think that I, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a very agreeable episode at this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I will say this. I think that part of that comes from, like, the extra little bit of decisiveness that we have now, how we're all – or divisiveness. Mm-hmm. Um you know what I mean? We're ca- we're kind of, especially politically, everybody, um, they've chosen their sides, I think, at this point, for the most part. Um, and so there's even more of a need to be right. Um, because it's almost like, if it's like a giant game of Jenga. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you have your Jenga tower, and now, of course, we talked about the big short, or the big short off-air, and so now I'm picturing Ryan Gosling doing the Jenga tower. <laughs> <laughs> and his poor assistant. Uh, I think his name was Brian. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, you have this Jenga tower of what you think is true, and if you wobble that base, you know what I mean, it kind of shakes you to the core as far as, well, if that's not true, then how is everything else that I believe true? Because everything that I believe is based on that one thing. Um, so I think that's, that's part of it. Um, I love the line from the movie War Dogs, where it's uh, mm. God bless Dick Cheney's America. When they make that huge arms deal yeah. um, in Afghanistan. Yeah. And uh, I think this is like, fuck Trump's America. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, I think it was happening before then. I think it was happening, you know, during that 2016 election cycle. Yeah, yeah. The <clears> polarization think, was yeah. unlike any other. Yeah, I think that people were, a lot of people were unhappy with the Obama years. 
um, mm-hmm. as far as like, well, did he really accomplish all that much? And, you know, and whether he did or not, I'm not arguing that point. But like, so all of a sudden you get someone like Donald Trump, you know, running for office and he kind of hit, you know, he, he, he struck he, the nerve. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's, I was going to say he pulled at those heartstrings, you know what I mean? Those emotions that you were having, that you were thinking that you didn't really yeah. want to voice. He validated them for you. Yeah, and and I think that's that's true. It it's odd though to me that like yes, there were people that were like, yeah, Obama didn't do enough. Like my dad was one of those people. My dad yeah. said he he had told me he. I think we've had very Obama. few presidents that have done enough. Yeah, I think that there's a there, there's like a status quo now. It's like, well, here's what I expect, and like if I get this, I'm happy. And now so many people are just like happy with very minimal. Like I think that if you would comparatively comparatively look at Joe Biden versus another president, you'd kind of look at Joe Biden and say, well, he hasn't really done that much for me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got different circumstances and different, you know, um, you know, hurdles to 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 leap over, um especially with COVID going on yeah. and the way that the economy is like it was an unfair playing field for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so you have to give him a little bit of credit for that. Um But, but I, I, think I look that, at I look at Obama. <clears throat> Okay. And, and you know, like I was saying, my dad voted for Obama, but at the end he was like, yeah, he wasn't, you know, everything I thought he would be in Bowl. And that's fine. I voted for Obama, but, too. Yeah, me too. Uh, but when I look back at, like, what people would say, like, the birtherism, like, he wasn't born here. And, like, the the lies that people mm-hmm. will latch on to. Yeah. And the points that, like, people try bring, and make. Yeah, they bring up that his middle name was, like, Hussein. Yeah, or, like, you know, all these 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 little fundamental things, the, these foundational tidbits that are wrong that people will latch on to and hold on to. And like, it, it's, it's, uh, like a, a leech that, you know, the longer it stays on you, uh, the larger that leech will get. Right. So yeah. the longer you stick with that lie or that, that fear or that hatred and, and, you know, I'm guilty yeah. of this as well. Like, I didn't, and I I think I was trending in the correct line of things, but I didn't trust anything Donald Trump said, right? So there was this natural predisposition. Anytime he spoke, I was not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think, well... And, and I, I think I, over time I, that was earned, but that was from the get-go. I didn't trust things. And I, I, would, I tried to say, like, let's support the president and, like, hope for the best for the next four years. And there, there was some instantaneous moves. I didn't like certain cabinet members and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, I pulled back pretty quickly. But but you had that first unconsciousable, or unconscious bias right from the get-go, mm-hmm. right from the very beginning, right. which is detrimental. You know right. what I mean? And it's and to no fault of yours. No. You know what I mean? People just get that way. Um, I, you know, I, like I said, I voted for Obama in, in 2008. Mm-hmm. 2012, I voted for Gary Johnson. That's when I f- started feeling my roots. Um, and I, you know, started to look into politics a little bit more. Yeah. <clears throat> he didn't do well in 2012, but <laughs> no, the Aleppo thing killed him. Yeah. Well, and he, I think he only got, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like a little over a million votes maybe total. Was it really that little? Yeah, I think so. I think it was just over a million votes. He did better in 2016. Um, but that's cause you had the Hillary Trump. Oh, thing actually going. the Aleppo thing was 2016. Is that when it was? Yeah. Because <clears throat> that's right, he was gaining ground um, because of the Trump Clinton uh, weirdness that yeah. was going on. Yeah, and I think people were like, "I'm just done with this shit." Yeah. So I think that from now on, I thought of another good idea. I think that you shouldn't be able to run as a party. I think that you should just run as the candidate that you are. Well, I have I mean, I have a lot of ideas. None of them come to fruition. Brian and I still have not gotten uh, our referees. We still ahead. haven't gotten a, a tyrannical rule of the United States for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's small things to ask. I don't know why we haven't gotten that yet, but uh, things aren't working out. But we, you, at least we still have this podcast. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what else? Um, I've been learning a little bit more about and th- something I would really like to change hmm. is the Supreme Court not packing it as well I think we need to pack it now because it's just so messed up but the lifetime rule or the lifetime yeah we've talked about this yeah yeah I, I I'm swaying further and further away of like it could be like a 12-year term or something it's just way too I, I think know. that it should have to be packed so 
what is it? Seven seats, nine seats. Right now, it's yeah, nine, nine seats. seats. Yeah. Um, I think that it should have to be like four Democrats, four Republicans, and one like centrist. Well, I I think the problem was I, I mean it, ideally there's there's no so there's not supposed right. to be any political bias. Yeah, they're not but supposed we can to be tell by their leanings, right? Of which way they go. But if you get if you get four people that lean one way, four people that lean another way, yeah. and you get that one guy in the middle who's probably got the most level head on his shoulders out of all of them, um, it's probably a woman. I mean, it could be a woman for sure. I would think it would be. I would think it. I don't think that sex would really matter. Or gender would really matter. I think that it would just be like, just their leanings. Yeah. I don't see in chromosomes, Brian. Okay, I'm not looking at your X's and your Y's. Okay, I just see a person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we brought this up in the last podcast. Uh, are you going to start chanting all chromosomes matter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. The element of surprise is gone. <laughs> um, we brought this up on our last podcast. Comedy lost a legend. Norm MacDonald has passed away. Very sad. Mm-hmm. But he had a bit that he would do constantly on like midgets <laughs> or yeah. sorry little people mm-hmm. okay sorry i didn't mean to offend anybody there yeah um my wife loves little people big world okay too much i hate going home and seeing that shit on the fucking tv <laughs> turn this off <laughs> i hate that i hate the kardashians i hate all those things uh but anyways he has a bit that he does on little people and it's just hilarious <laughs> and it's just basically him it's like him talking about equal rights he's like he doesn't see the height of a person and i'm not gonna even try attempt to do the joke because like i can't do his whole i can't do his whole mannerism yeah um but it's it's yeah it's worth checking out and john mulaney had a a joke about what you just did with the word midget oh yeah and he's talking to an executive and or or someone like a manager or something and he he says like he's gonna do this bit about a midget Mm -hmm. and the guy turns to him and says, you can't say that. That's about as bad as the N-word. And he goes, really? Because we just said the word midget, and we didn't say the word N-word. And if you're going to stack two words up against each other and you can't even say one, that's the worst word. I love John Mulaney. Yeah. He's really funny. I, I think when, when it comes down to comedians, too, like it's all about their, their, their mannerism. Yeah. I think it's like how they present things. Uh, is it Jimmy Carr? Yeah, the British comedian. Oh God, he's he brutal. Is, he's brutal. He's hilarious. Yeah. I love when he lets the crowd come in and like heckle him. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like, I I don't say you know midget. I I do say little little person or whatever. I say vertically challenged because that's what I am. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, you know, and and I know dwarfism is different. You know, there's all kinds of different uh, paths for for that. Yeah. Uh, that disability yeah so with that in mind um i think you know the beautiful thing about comedy is it allows people to find that common common ground which is cool but i i just i had this conversation with someone and and you know they were talking about you know the vaccine and mandates and stuff like that and like i i have facts like i only try and you know speak in facts and then i ask questions like well where why do you think that you know because i think that's important in in to this gentleman's defense, he was super polite, super respectful. So I didn't like, I didn't want to badger him. It was a really good conversation. Yeah. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, when someone says, well, I just agree to disagree then. And I was like, but why? But, but why? And that's why we have this conversation on the Mad Libs podcast. It's like, but why? Like, you know why I think that people agree to disagree? Cause they're I think lazy. <clears throat> not necessarily. I think that's taking it to one extreme. I think sometimes they are. I think sometimes people are lazy. Okay. I think that sometimes the the debate or the conversation that you're having with somebody else isn't like that. That person may be so set in their ways and so right. and so um, they're emotionally dismissive to, dismissive to others' ideas that I think that sometimes you can spout out every single fact that you have, and they can spout out every single fact or whatever they have. You know what I mean? And even if you have a solid argument they just may not budge on their on their position and so that sometimes that's that that agree to disagree is not necessary and it's unfortunate but it is sometimes the only way yeah and and i think like 
that's just me being a little bit realistic. You know what I mean? No, and that's Some fair. Some people and just won't won't take it in, man. No, and that's fair. And like like I said at the top, like it it has to do with that emotional connection. You've made this connection to this fact that you, or not even necessarily facts, but this opinion that you hold as like part of your own identity. It yeah. becomes like yeah. if if the opinion is that important, not like oh the Nuggets are better than the Jazz or whatever you know, bullshit sports, mm. you know, arena you want to talk about. I or, enjoy chicken nuggets you know, far more than book, I enjoy book, jazz music. Yeah, book, yeah. Of, <laughs> book of Mormon is better than Hamilton or whatever. You want to argue like... Well, that's apples and oranges, but yeah, I get what you're saying. So, so you know, people can have those opinions and like, okay, it's subjective and no one's going to like really get too in deep with it. But mm-hmm. with certain things like gun rights or abortion or even things like the COVID vaccine mandate, like mask mandates, like sometimes people make such a deep connection with it. It becomes part of their identity, which way they stand on it. Yeah. And they're not willing to move off of it. And what they end up doing is going and only trying to confirm their bias rather than say, Hey, someone shows me something. And I I get articles from people that are from, I'll just put it, uh, bluntly from odd places right they're not necessarily like peer-reviewed and like when people say i'm going to do research like you're not doing research you're looking at other people's research right trevor noah was going off about how people say i'm going to do my own research you're not going into a fucking lab right to do research you're looking at other people's research and accepting that and now you have to start to think about is this viable research is this like peer reviewed is there what are the conditions like you know was it a true or is it you know basing its information off of anecdotal research whatever so i don't know i just found it very interesting that the way people connect with things like their opinion um it it becomes part of their identity and the 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 frustrating thing can be is like when you're having a discussion with someone they're like well my opinion is two plus two equals five and you're trying to explain, well, no, it doesn't. Let's take two apples and two apples and add them together. And like, you can physically demonstrate, you can, you know, write it on a board. Yeah, but politically, and they will that's hard not. To do. <clears throat> well, politically, it can be very difficult to do with certain things. For instance, like the abortion conversation. Mm-hmm. That is very difficult to, because there's so many variables there. And even with like the COVID vaccine and stuff like that. But there's certain elements that we can't deny and the problem that I see with any conversation yeah. is the denial of certain facts because it doesn't benefit but your every, side. But everybody's guilty of it. Everybody. Every, yeah. You, me, but, but, me, you, fucking guilty, everybody. Well, hold dude. on. Guilty of what? What do you mean guilty? Try, trying to confirm their own biases. Well, yeah. But here's the thing. is like, what are you using to confirm your bias? No, certainly. I get you. Like, if no, I'm using... Okay, fair point. So, no, like, fair point. my yeah. bias is 2 plus 2 equals 4. Yeah. I'm using math. Yeah. Right? Like, your opinion is five. Like, it's not really an opinion. Yeah. Or it's just an opinion. It's not fact. Because the argument that, not the argument, but the the conversation or the the debate that would come to mind. So if you and I started talking about Dr. Fauci, we would have completely different views on Dr. Fauci. Sure. You know what I mean? I I think that he's... uh, well, I think a lot of things about right. Him, it's I don't it's want, completely subjective because <clears throat> we're not using statistics or facts or well history or anything. I think that, well, there, I think there are some occurrences or some situations of of his behavior that would be considered fact. You know what I mean? That I would have for my argument against why I don't like Doctor Fauci. You know what I mean? And again, I'm not trying to get into this. We can have this conversation if you guys want to hear Brian and I have this conversation. It'd be very fun. Hit us up on Facebook. <laughs> Let us know on Instagram on the Twits. Yeah. Twi- no, I, I I agree with the <clears throat> example for sure. Yeah. I agree with like, yeah, we have a difference of opinion and how we get arrived to there, that opinion. Yeah, and I think we would both have good facts on, on, yeah. on both of our sides of the argument, but then it comes down to, you know, who do you, who do you support and but why here's you, the you thing. know what I mean? Here's the thing. In that conversation, yeah. when you would bring up something like, oh, well, you know, the... What was it called? The gain of function. Gain of function, yeah. Yeah, when you, you oh, him and Rand Paul were talking about gain of function and blah, blah, blah. Like, I wouldn't go, no, they never talked about that. Like, no. I know they did. Yeah. And I accept <clears throat> it. And, like, I I agree with certain parts of, you know, from both parties. Yeah. But, like, that's my problem is, like, people go into conversations like this and say, no, that never happened. Like, it, it did. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, and the thing is too, like, again, and just to, to stress your point even more, you don't like Rand Paul. Yeah, but I, I still I, acknowledge I, that they had the conversation. No, 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 no. But what I'm, what I, where I was going with that is I don't like Rand Paul very much either, but I think the way that he handled that conversation, I might think of it differently than you did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And I may fair. take something from it differently because I can step back from who Rand Paul is. Well, I can too. I, well, I was, you got to let me finish. Mm-hmm. You got to let me finish because okay. I was going to say maybe you could too. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> but um, I think that, yeah. There's there's so many variables. There's so many factors. I think that you raise a a, a very good point. Um, and I know we want to uh, we want to get to our, to our main topic. No, this tonight, is fine. But I, fine. I just it's our podcast. I know. I I feel congratulations. Like, you're half a podcast owner. <laughs> really, I'm 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 gonna be the ultimate liberal socialist, and I'm gonna give my half back to the people, the Mad Libs community. This is your podcast. That's the lamest thing you've ever said in this no, podcast. No. <laughs> I give the people what they want. Um, you know, I was, I was not lame, but I was, I was looking at it, uh, you know, just because I've been having these conversations with people and I was looking at, you know, the conversation with Chris Shields that we had last episode, Mm -hmm. which sorry, I, I meant to lead with this. If you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to the interview with Chris Shields, stop what you're doing right now. Press pause go back an episode and listen to that. That is yeah. probably one of the finest episodes um, we've ever had on this podcast and, and what a tremendous guest. But I was trying to be more positive in my approach mm-hmm. with discussions. And I think that led me to reflect a little bit more on yeah. the discussion. And like, I, I was very calm and I usually am calm with any Facebook discussion or, you know, discussion with people. And so I'm not saying I'm not reflective or positive in those discussions, but I tried to take a different approach where I would think first before I spoke and try to understand and articulate a little bit better. For sure. So yeah, I get what you're saying. That's what I was I was <clears throat> attempting to do. But here nor there, I do think, you know, one thing we can't debate is the company Evergrande is, is in trouble. <laughs> I mean, that was a segue, I suppose. <laughs> it was more of like a hard breaks, the stop signs right there, and I didn't see it. <laughs> and then like punching on the gas again. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, solid attempt. I, I give it a seven out of 10. Sweet. You know, not too bad. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's not debatable. You know what? You know what? Seven out of <clears throat> 10 leaves? Three. And Evergrande is 300 billion in debt. Mm they're actually 305. Oh, I just said 300 billion on my oh, those 5 billion. Those extra 5 billion really count to me. Um <clears throat> yeah, it's an inter- an interesting situation too because such a large majority of the of China's economy is based on real estate. Yeah. I want to say it's like close to like 30%. Yeah, and and Evergrande is this massive conglomerate company. So they do re- everything. Yeah, it really started out as a real estate firm, but it it's you know, in banking, it's in all kinds of thing, marketing, all kinds of different things. Yeah. And it's in this position where it owes over $300 billion. And the problem now is becoming that they're not going to be able to pay on their interest. Yeah. And they're going to default. And they had until today, didn't they? Or, well, when people are listening to this today. Yeah. I think it was as of Thursday. Yeah. They're is supposed when that's due. To they, have, have, they have 30 days before they fall into default. Right. So the idea is they have to start having a plan of attack in order to do this. So, you know, the the problem with default is then the credit rating of all the of all the loans goes down and, you know, the interest is in trouble. You know, we've we're talking about default in America as well mm-hmm. uh, with the GOP and, and the Democrats fighting over raising the debt ceiling. Um, but that'll be a different. We can talk about that yeah. on Sunday. But, you know, with Evergrande. The, the crazy thing is, is China was looking to start, um, I guess you would say like deleveraging maybe, um, but they were trying to take out some of the risk. They realized that there was a lot of exposure. Right. You know, and we've seen what happens when there's a lot of exposure and now all of a sudden you see a global market tanking, right? We saw that in 2008, which we'll touch on as well. But Evergrande is being compared to the Lehman Brothers, 
And I think there's one distinct difference that we need to talk about before we go <clears throat> too far is the Lehman Brothers was in 2008 and they were one of the largest financial firms in America that went under. And, you know, the, the Evergrande company is one of the largest companies in China. And if that went under, it, they're saying it would have a similar impact. The one big difference, though, is the Lehman Brothers, their tools or their assets were all financially based, whereas Evergrande is real estate based. 100%. So you, you can basically, you know, slowly but surely uh, decouple the assets from the company, right? You can You can sell those pieces off and they have value. But if all of your financial assets are tanking, you're no longer valuable either. Right. So, so that's the big difference. So when people are like, is this the Lehman Brothers of, of China? And the answer is absolutely not. I think this is their 2008 moment, though. I will say that. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, so they've been, they've been growing steadily and rapidly um, for mm-hmm. years now. You know, it's been this very consistent growth that we've seen, um, not just with the, the um, with Evergrande, but with the Chinese economy in general. And, you know, but th- where it all kind of comes together is a large majority of their workforce is building these buildings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That Evergrande is purchasing the land for, which right. you don't There's actually- a lot of construction. Yeah, you don't actually own land in China. You, you lease it from the government, basically. Right. <clears throat> um. It's not like in America where you just pay taxes on it. You're forever renting that land from the Chinese government. Um, but such a large majority of the workforce, I mean, millions and millions of people are building these these giant buildings and these houses and this, uh, you know, this large construction. So, you know, you're not just losing out on all of this money because, again, too, you also have these people that have actually, like, purchased houses or put put down payments on these houses that are yet to be built by Evergrande because what they were kind of counting on was it's kind of like um I think I forget what the actual like uh saying is but isn't it like Peter bar or Peter Rob bar- Peter Rob Peter to pay Paul well I was gonna say borrow from Peter to to pay Paul oh. but w- we can go with Rob I suppose <laughs> Brian's feeling a little thefty today that's I'm just going by the saying I think that probably is what it is yeah. but I was gonna say borrow yeah um and then, you know, but we're, what, what Evergrande is counting on, because then they take out all these loans mm-hmm. to to basically build these buildings, to, to buy the land, all that stuff. Um, but they had this steady stream of income coming in to pay back all their debts. Um, now that housing market over there is starting to cool off. And we can talk about the, you know, the necessity to buy a house in China and what it means for the people there later on. Um, but they've gotten themselves into a very big predicament where it's going to affect a lot of people um and it's certainly going to affect the growth of the chinese economy well and and you know if you think about it if you're a real estate company and they're not just buying and selling real estate they're creating real estate right Right, yeah they're creating buildings and what what's at stake here is and and you know keep in mind china is considering letting them just fail Right. And that's kind of scary. So if they do, what's at stake is, you know, there's construction companies that have sunk millions of dollars into projects or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into projects. There's people whose complete livelihood has been sunk into some of these projects. Right. And if all of a sudden they're saying like, well, we're out of money, we can't pay you. Well, the construction company can't pay their people. And then you have this, you know, downward cycle. Yeah. Right. Where, a trickle down effect. Right. Yeah. Where all of a sudden you know, even, even the low man on the totem pole can't support, you know, their family. And what, what does, what does China do in that instance? Because we've also seen their economy slowing down in general well, right. uh, over the last year. Well, and <clears throat> I mean, they've done, you know, a decent job of like kind of pulling all, a lot of people out of poverty by investing in all of these things. And yes. housing is the biggest one because, and Brian and I were talking about this off air. I mean, really the only way to, to invest or to, to gain wealth or to make an investment in China is to invest in a property, to invest in housing. Right. Um, just because their, their market is so cattywampus. Um, <laughs> but anyways, okay. Um, so, you know what I mean? And they're, you know, they, they have a lot of, you know, benefit, not benefits, but like, 
loopholes is what I'll call them. And the, the example that I gave Brian earlier is if you buy a house in the U.S. and you realize that it has termite damage and there's termites and you know, or termite infestation, you know what I mean? Like you're basically losing on your investment. Whereas in China, you know what I mean? There's their their building codes are much looser. You know what I mean? There's structural integrity may not be to the same quality as in the U.S. or in the U.K. or South Korea or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but back to, to to gaining wealth, you know, there's also a big foot push for the for Chinese people to buy houses because um, they go what's called and I'm, I'm going to mispronounce this, but they go on what's called the the Hoku system. Okay, which is kind of like uh, what you would consider here for like our our school districts is the way that I uh, pictured yeah. it in my head. But you had this giant push from for people moving from like the farmlands or the rural portions of China to try to kind of get a leg up, and they were moving into these cities um, and starting to work for these companies, making a little bit more money, trying to progress, maybe working at factory. But because of the way this Hoku system is set up, or Hoku, or look it up, Google it, kids, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if you are not, considered part of a certain area a county if you will Mm -hmm. you don't get the amenities of that county because it's broken up by state basically so you know what i mean if your residence is in for lack of a better term bufu china yeah um those terms don't go together (laughs) but it sounds like it rural china um and you you know you're trying to move into this nicer place like your kids don't have a school to go to if you don't own a house there and the, and the housing market is super expensive you think it's hard to buy a house here in the u.s you know what i mean with the way that our market is right now over there you're you know you're paying tons and tons and tons of money to get into this little like one bedroom apartment um but if you're not living in that area you you don't get any of like the the health care from that area you don't get your kids don't get to go to school in that area all these other things um, and so, you know, what do you do? You maybe try to move into that area, move in with a bunch of like people that work with you and you scrap together all this money you can get to get a one bedroom apartment so that you can move your family in. And that's why you see this large push in China to basically like the grandparents are watching the kids. Yeah. Um, just so there's somebody there. So mom and dad can go off and make money. So that's another huge, going to be another huge impact because of this. You know what I mean? If this all tanks and there's no houses to buy, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty I, effed. Yeah, and you know when we when we talk about the Chinese housing market, I think it's important to acknowledge like it is a bubble, but there are economists that think like China can slowly grow into this bubble. Like if they can maintain this bubble long enough, the Chinese economy and population will catch up. So it's it's one of those things similar I mean, to the what Americans already caught up. Well, the population of China, similarly, you know, in the American economy with what we're going through right now of, you know, like I said, do we raise the debt ceiling, et cetera? Right. Are we going to be able to grow into that? Like the Fed and the American economy and, you know, the Trump administration, the Biden administration have done all they can to kind of stimulate the, the economy. Like we're giving out checks, we're giving out subsidies, we're giving out all kinds of different, you know, programs in order to maintain the American economy. Um, the hope is that we grow into it where there won't be as dramatic a crash. And I think China is hoping for the same thing. And it really kind of rides on Evergrande, you know, not collapsing. So either they need to figure something out or there's going to be a, a a situation where they have to s- somehow create an effective bailout strategy for Evergrande. Similarly, um, and I know you, we like to talk about the big short, there was a, a movie called Too Big to Fail uh, on HBO. Right. And an incredible cast. And, you know, in that movie, you see the frantic pace that uh, Henry Paulson, who is then the, you know, the Secretary of the Treasury, yeah. um, Warren Buffett are getting like all these calls and all that. Plus all of the big banks are meeting in these conference rooms and divvying out who's taking what and you need to take an influx of cash from the government and then pay it back at a certain rate. And some banks were like, well, no, we're fine. And it's like, well, no, we can't give it out to certain banks and not others. Otherwise, the American public will completely bail. And so... I don't know the process in which China is going to do it, but they're probably going to have to either somehow stage a 
a bailout for Evergrande or Evergrande is going to have to pull out a miracle in order to pay back their interest debts. Well, they've already started to because like like I, I kind of mentioned at the top of the half hour because we talked about some other stuff to begin with. Um, <clears throat> Evergrande kind of has their hands in everything or they tried to have their hands in everything. So they started in real estate, but they own a, like a, an electric car manufacturer that hasn't produced any cars. Mm-hmm. Um, they also do like financial advice, all, all sorts of stuff. Um, and so, which they, is ironic, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wouldn't go with them. <laughs> um, but they've talked about selling off pieces of the business to try to make money. Um, and there's also another, even larger, um, I believe, um, real estate company in China that's offered to buy out. Um, but I mean, again, you know, you, I guess you never know. Yeah. So they're they basically have to pay off. I think there's uh, an eighty something million dollar bond that they have to pay off. I thought I know there was and then there's, I know there was one hundred and forty million. Well, yeah, one. there's one in the yuan <clears throat> as well. So the okay. dollar based one, I believe, is the eighty million dollar one, and the mm-hmm. yuan would probably be something equivalent to one hundred and forty million, maybe. But these are the ones that they're scheduled to pay, and if they can't pay that, now they're going into default. Like you have to pay your interest, right? So if you think of a credit card, you don't have to pay down your entire balance every month, but you have to pay down the minimum amount, and this is the minimum amount that they are due, and it's 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 a substantial amount when when you're talking millions and millions of dollars due. That's that's a tough pill to swallow. So it's going to be interesting. You know, this played a huge role on the on the stock market. Um, on Monday and Tuesday here in America, like when we saw, you know, because the global market is, is, you know, influences one another, right? So what's going on in China influences us. And it didn't go down like 2.1% or something like that. Uh, it went, it, it fell for four straight days. So yeah. Friday, um, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. And I think today was actually the first day it came back up. So maybe it's Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. And today was the first day the America, the American market had gone up uh, in several days. So it, it was, you know, they're thinking, you know, uh, that Evergrande will e- either get bailed out or come up with a plan. Uh, supposedly, they're going to be able to pay off the 85 or 80 to $85 million debt um, on the dollar denomination for their one interest. So I don't know. But Kevin, when I look at this stuff, I I I start to think, why, why, like why do we let companies run rampant? And I understand capitalism; we want to be innovative and and all of that. But the problem is, is within the markets, we just allow so much um, free will yeah. that it often gets abused, and then we're left in places like two thousand and eight. We're looking at, you know, uh, another situation in China that could, you know, absolutely crash global markets. Um, And I I just explain to me how we let companies do this, how we let them leverage themselves in the name of growth. And I get that. But we leverage we let them leverage themselves so heavily that they can crash entire markets like there should not be a single company that is too big to fail. Hmm. Well, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. There are certain scenarios where you can't let a company fail. I understand that. 2008, like it just couldn't happen. You know, I mean, we unfortunately had to bail those people out. What pisses me off about that situation is what they actually did with the money. Um, but my question isn't so much why we let them get that way is how do they get that way? You want to start this huge company. You're doing all, you're dealing with all this money. Shouldn't you have a person or people or a team there um, that is saying, okay, well, here's our debt to income ratio. Here's what we're, we're projected to make. And like saying, okay, we need to have this much of a safety net. You know, I get you want this like rapid growth, this rapid expansion. You want to be making all this money, but clearly you guys aren't that good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, again, to to take it back to the 2008 crisis, you had all these banks in the early 2000s giving out all this money that they shouldn't have. 
And so what do they do? Well, instead of fixing the problem, making it more stringent, making it harder to get a mortgage, they're giving all these mortgages and they're putting them together into, what was it, C- uh, CDOs? Mm-hmm. They put them in these CDOs and you don't know what's in there and it's a bunch of garbage mortgages. Right. You know, you're being stupid. You're being greedy. Really, I think is what it comes down to. Well, and, and we were raised in a generation of the 80s and this is like the baby boomer generation where, you know, they love the movie Wall Street. Greed is good. You know, Michael Douglas standing before all these people and greed is good. And it's like, no, no, it's not. It is usually the fall. It is right before the fall. And this is something that, you know, you look at any empire in history or any superpower or anything like that you know, a, a massive economy, it's usually when they over leverage too much and that's when they start to collapse, right? They expand too much too fast, whether it's a military power, an economic power, a political power, they expand too fast and all of a sudden they collapse in on themselves. And I wonder why we allow that or why we do bail that out, right? Like with, with, the well, American that's my bailout. Thought. That's my thought too. I agree with you 100%. I think that we shouldn't bail them out. Like we're, the we're, issue that we run into is it affects so many people's lives. So maybe there should be some sort and here's a guy who hates government regulations and hates like, you know, government interfering in business, but like okay, if you get up to this, you know, this sort of um this amount of money and it's affecting this many people, now we're going to regulate you. Now we're going to say, okay, well, Lives are at stake. Livelihoods are at stake. Um, and so now we're going to be watching. We need to keep an eye on your books. Well, for me, I would be totally fine with that, but I don't think many capitalists would be okay with that. Well, you know, in the words of my son, <laughs> when I had to correct him today, <laughs> and I don't know why he said this, but this is his thing now. If somebody's going to do something bad, don't worry, Daddy. I'll punch them in the face. Fair, and fair. I, and I just said, Ben, eh, buddy, we don't go straight to that. Let's use words first. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? The whole capitalist idea is get rich or die trying. But well, at well, what cost? And we're so quick. I mean, think of how much hostility there was with the stimulus program for COVID. Yeah. And how much money was going to American people and how reluctant people Especially on the back end, like when Biden was trying to do it, it was the uh, the majority of that money was starting to go to the American people. Like in the first round, it was a lot of business, right? A lot of the money went to businesses first. And that's right, fine. Yeah. Like I understand that empowers people to keep their employment, et cetera. But the back end, when we're finally just focusing only or mainly on the American people. Right. It's like the government, like people are like, oh no, the government shouldn't be doing that. Like that's not the government's role. The government's role isn't to, to bankroll business. The government's role is to protect the people. That's the role of government. It's to do what's best for the people. And generally an economy is something they want to stimulate or keep, you know, active and, you know, that provides jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Creation of goods, innovation. But the problem is, is government is first beholden to the people and it feels like in america and now china as well it's going to be beholden to business again and yeah. that that yeah. for me is a big struggle because i also do understand if you collapse the entire economy well now no one has a job and we're stuck in this rebuild mode and it's very very difficult to get out of that but when i look back at it i think man there should have been more effort towards the people and we need to be more proactive than reactive. So here's me being positive. We need to be proactive. And I say this about climate change. I say it about healthcare. I say it about COVID. I say it about business, whatever the case is, we need to stop being so reactive. We have economists, we have doctors, we have brilliant minds involved in making these decisions. And so often we turn to the dollar first. Instead of the doctor, we turn to the dollar. Instead of the economist, we look at the dollar, right? We turn to the doctor? Yeah. When we have decisions to make about public health care, yeah. we, don't, we don't often trust the doctors first. We trust the dollars. What are the policymakers oh, deciding? I see what you're saying there. I see what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah. No. So, so I think it's not even that. I think it's not 
necessarily the dollar. I think that it's, it should be the people before anything else. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like policymakers are often choosing the dollar first because they think either A, it is what's best for the people or B, it's what's best for them. Or C, they suck. And well, B is correct too. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily say that. Um, I do. I'm hoping, I'm welcome. hoping, you know, I talked with a friend who's in the financial field and he was saying, no, what China's going to have to do is bail them out. But then, you know, this is the first time where, you know, the Chinese Communist Party is really, really forceful in, in, in doing three things. Number one, cracking down on these bad businesses. Like they do not want to bail out bad businesses. They want to promote this idea that you can't be over leveraging yourself. And then number two and three are actually um, bringing down air pollution and number three being uh, um, raising the poverty level, which they've actually been very successful um, raising the poverty level. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I know they've been cracking down back to real estate really fast. Um, they've actually been cracking down on like real estate investments. So like per household, you can only have two other real estate investments. So you've seen a large push for um uh, like married couples to divorce on paper. So then they become technically two households and they can have four houses instead of. Doesn't that remind you of the stripper scene in the big short? Yeah. Where she's like, well, how many mortgages do you have? And she's like five, yeah. and five different homes. And yeah. You're like, why, why, why do people want to leverage themselves so badly? Mm-hmm. You know, and I know there's rent and there's way to profits. Like in America, if you own multiple properties, you're going to be pretty successful. And at the very worst, you can always sell your property. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's I mean, the cool thing good. about property value is property value always increases. Right. It's going to, you know, it's not going to be a huge increase except for, you know, right now. Well, yeah. I mean, over over the long haul, there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be dips and, you know, all that. But, you know, over a 20-year period, you can look at it. It will increase. It's it's a, usually a pretty, you know, safe bet because of the scarcity involved. Right. There's only so much land in America, specifically the land that people want, right? They right. want to be yeah. around yeah. metropolitan areas, generally speaking. Certainly. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a goofy. It, it's not. Well, it's not a goofy situation. It's a scary situation, um, and uh, I'm curious to see what comes of it. You know what I mean? Because right now, I I personally think that China is going to bail them out. Yeah, but it, it's it's going to be interesting in in the way they bail them out. So, for instance, when we had 2008, we had the bailout of multiple banks, right? right so yeah. it wasn't just like. Oh, these three banks suck. Like they got all of the biggest banks and bailed them all out per se, even though some didn't need the bailout. So like, okay, you're going to give them this money and then, okay, hope to collect. But right now no one's going to be investing in Evergrande because they're going to be worried. So like, how Unless are they going to start shorting a, them? Yeah. Well, how are people going? Well, shorting is like betting against them. I'm yeah. saying, how are people going to say, "Yeah, I'm going to trust Evergrande to you know build this huge complex I want to invest in," right? No one's going to want to trust them with their money because they they think halfway through the project maybe that that bailout doesn't work out. Now they're now they're up shit's creek. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you are going to invest within the next couple of weeks, here are going to be the best time. The stock prices should be low. <laughs> Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else about China, Brian? You know, uh, that's about all I have on it. Um, I think we're both in, in pretty, pretty good agreement that this is a relatively shitty situation. It's important for people to know about, uh, you know, you're probably like, why are the Mad Libs talking about Evergrande? Well, it is important because it has a massive impact on the global community and the global marketplace. And it's oh, also, yeah. I mean, this is going to be, if, if they go under, it's going to be felt, you know, right. It's going to reverberate, worldwide. you know, a, across all markets, but also, you know, it's, it's a demonstration of, you know, governments once again, you know, on the global scale, even, um, bailing out the big business and, yeah. and it really needs to start to change where I'm not saying that they shouldn't bail out ever, but we really need to be more proactive in the way we approach 
um, handling and regulating businesses, both uh, foreign and domestic. Yeah, I mean we can't we can't regulate them, but we should be cognizant of them and how we invest uh, within other global markets. Yeah, I mean because deep down I just think that no company should ever be bailed out. If you fail as a business, you fail. You suck. Good try. Well, yeah, you know certainly, I mean? certainly under not not you yeah. suck. If you fall, fail as a small business, I get you. Well, like, no, if you become so big and then you fuck up, like. That's that's on you, man. You're gonna go out of business like any other business. Yeah, if you, it sucks for the people underneath them, but that's why it's also so important to be weary and uh, do research on who you're doing business with. Yeah, I, I think there. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I would say that you know there are certain extenuating circumstances like a COVID pandemic, like that's going to impact. But that's not why. Evergrande is is no. having this moment. This moment is because, like yeah. you said at the yeah. top of the hour. Um, they Very were good. so focused on yeah. expansion that they over leveraged and yeah. now they're in a really, really bad position where they can't even pay the interest yeah. on their. No, that their was debts. a very, very good disclaimer there, Bray. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, do you have anything going on October 3rd? Um, I know October 4th, I'm probably not going to feel very well in my stomach. Yeah. Um, and it probably has a lot to do with October 3rd. Oh, you want to eat a whole bunch of really spicy wings with me and like broadcast it live? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. While taking questions from our wonderful community? Yeah, I do. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, I do want to plug that one more thing. We're oh, going to we're gonna, uh, release the YouTube link or, or the least. You can Google or YouTube Mad Libs Podcast. I think we have one episode up that's just like kind the of audio, a tester. Yeah. yeah, it's just audio from a past episode. I'll be, we'll be doing a test episode Yeah, um, coming up here soon. But... Um, Feel free to YouTube Mad Lips Podcast. You'll know where we're going to land that day. But also, um, I believe the time we've talked about is 6.30. 6.30 p.m. 6.30 Central p.m. Time. Central time. Um, so come join us. Hop in the chat. Um, there's going to be opportunities to um, get your way, I guess you would say, if you want to donate to the Venmo and, and see us do an extra dab or two for the last dab. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about all that, but, uh, please join us October 3rd, 6 30 PM, um, on YouTube. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you on the next one. Love you. Do good. Be great. Nice. Yeah. Way to fucking cover for you, bro. <laughs> no, I was going to say it, but you oh. got me off. And I love it. I'm glad oh, you did gosh. it. All right. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. We the ones that he just let into the back. We the misfits. How you going to react? We insomniacs. We ain't get no sleep. Break the rules. Can't stay on beat. Making moves. Running through the streets. A to Z. Follow my lead. Saints the status quo. This is rock and roll. This is skydive yelling out. Ronimo. This is bye bye ta ta audio. This is all or none. This is all I know. This that I don't know. We try and go. I don't even know. I'm just trying to roll. Me and my friends trying to hit the road. Try and catch